Hello and welcome to the very first episode of the Science and Maths Discussion. In this podcast, I'll be exploring many scientific, mathematical and engineering topics, trying to understand them. It's not going, partic- it's not going to be particularly formal, and, it will, and I can assure it won't be particularly professional either, but every week, at least on a nearly weekly basis, I'll just try and understand more scientific topics and bring you along as I expand my knowledge. The very first episode this week is on parachutes, a topic which I thought was generally quite simple and didn't think there was too much to it, so I thought it would be a very easy opening episode, but actually there is more to it than you'd think. Before I start the episode, I'll be pointing out that these podcasts are going on Spotify and on YouTube, so if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, feel free to leave a comment asking a question or an idea for a future episode. I'll, I'm going to look through all of them and I'll be very happy to answer. Before I talk on for too long, let's get into the episode. So parachutes. Parachutes start a lot earlier in history than you might think. Now, some scientists, uh, historians actually, um, have dated uh, parachutes back to 90 BC, in which some Chinese acrobats used to use parachute-like um, crafts, uh, crafts, not vehicles, um, par- parachute-like devices um, to perform. However, the more concrete evidence in the later on is in the fifth late 15th century when Leonardo da Vinci produced some sketches of uh, things that resemble more the modern parachute. However, parachutes came into uh, worldwide use and um, were used a lot far in far more far-reaching roles and in different, different ways in the 20th century. Here we saw them used um, from far, high, far higher altitudes which was helped by the um, increase in plane technology as well as in military settings. You see, in, um, uh, as seen mainly in World War Two, so uh, I didn't think that was started so early, but in it really isn't that surprising. It's the twentieth century in which we see parachutes see the greatest use. The basics of parachuting. Now, the physics behind this is very simple. I'm sure many of you will have a basic understanding of this, and if you don't, that's totally fine. I'm sure you'll be able to grab, um, get your head around it. So, when someone jumps out of a plane. Let's imagine this other scenario is one jumping out of a plane. It's the most stereotypical parachuting scenario. They accelerate downwards due to the force of gravity, which is caused by the mass of our Earth. Now, they they fall down. They don't fall to, a, to an endless speed because of the air resistance on them. And when they open the parachute, they fall at a slower speed. That is because the parachute, the parachute has a greater surface area, which causes a greater air resistance, which means they slow down. Um, this air resistance is caused by trapping air molecules that pass by, meaning that you can't physically fall as fast if you're falling through the air. That as much I was very co- comfortable with when I started researching this. But one idea that I wasn't entirely confident about was terminal velocity. Now, if you think about it, you jump off a plane, but you don't accelerate forever. You don't keep going at an endless speed, because that means you, you could, if you've kept falling, reach the speed of light. Like, how, when does it stop? Now, terminal velocity is the maximum falling speed for an object. Now, this is when the spe- the force of gravity is matched by the air resistance. Therefore, forces on the falling object are balanced, and when they're balanced, the object is falling at constant speed. That means it's no longer accelerating. So what you'll see is when you jump out of the plane, your acceleration will be at the maximum when you just jump out, because um, the force of gravity is very strong and your air resistance is still small because you haven't a high speed yet, and you accelerate and accelerate, your rate of acceleration will keep going down as air resistance, air resistance increases until 
you fall and the air resistance and weight, the force of gravity or weight are equal. Um, therefore, at a constant speed. For a human, it takes about 12 seconds of falling to reach terminal velocity. Now, that's 12 seconds of acceleration. That's really not that much, so um, that's generally quite interesting. Now, the science of parachutes here starts actually making sense, because when you open your parachute, you go a lot slower, and you go at that constant slower speed. And that's because your air resistance is far greater, therefore, you, um, how does this work? Your air resistance is far greater, so the force of um, yes, yeah, so the force of air resistance being equal to your weight will be at a far slower speed because for the greater air resistance, air resistance greater at greater speeds. But if you've got a bigger area, you won't need a slower speed to reach the same uh, to be equal to the same force of gravity. So, in in short, if you fall, you won't accelerate forever. You'll reach a reach a maximum velocity very very fast. Now. The science of parachutes here sort of is, it's the very basics of it, but there's actually a lot more to parachutes than you might think. Actually, so what you'll find is, you, I'm sure many people have seen parachutes, but I haven't actually thought about the different types of parachutes there are. And I, I'm sure you've noticed there are round ones, rectangle ones, square ones. Um, but first, before I get into different shapes, I was like, parachutes are steered. Now they're steered because there's a person underneath them with lines which go up to the canopy of the parachute. Now, pushing on one way or the other will tilt the whole parachute, therefore the air resistance will force the parachute in a certain way or the other. Now what we'll find is that rectangle parachutes can be steered a lot easier than, than traditional round parachutes. But before I get into the advantages and disadvantages of different types of parachutes, let's just look at the different types of parachutes there are. Now the very traditional ones, the ones that were first used and we're using the earlier half of the 20th century, as seen during World War II drops, were round parachutes. These were very good at um, these were very good at slowing people down. They were very easy to make. They were very affordable. They weren't particularly complex, but they weren't very they weren't very steerable, weren't very maneuverable, I should say, and weren't amazing on the whole. Um, one feature you'll see is they had vent holes. They had holes in the top of the canopy. Now, when I first saw this, I thought that doesn't make sense. You know, why would you have a hole in the top of the canopy when all you're trying to do is increase air resistance? Surely a hole decreases air resistance. But that hole is actually very important because it allows air to escape. You see, if you're falling, and air is getting trapped by this canopy. And if it gets forced in there, that, that force of the air being compressed can actually cause the parachute to oscillate, to shake around a little bit, which can be very dangerous and uh, for the parachutist and cause many problems I'm sure so they have a vent hole in nearly the top of the parachute which allows air to escape so the buildup of pressure isn't too great. Um, also they have, a, they have other holes and slits to help forward speed um, which also just generally you don't it's other small little holes and slits but main hole in the parachute the vent holes at the top to increase or decrease uh, increase decrease the buildup of pressure I should say. Now, the main disadvantage of these traditional round parachutes were they were very hard to steer, and, and they also had very hard landings, which mean it wasn't the greatest for comfort, and they were more just for ease of use and ease of manufacture than anything else. Now, the ones you'll see in a modern setting, the ones you'll see in a, lot, a lot more and a lot more common, are ram air parachutes. Now, these, you can imagine, are um, a, round, a round, traditional round parachute, but sort of the ends have been chopped off, so you're parachuting under a rectangle and these it's not just to 
rectangular canopy. It's built of ribs, um, these sort of long cylinder things that fill up with air as you fall down. So it's a rectangle with little cylinders it's made, of, made up of cylinders. It's a very crude way of explaining it. But these, these are the most modern parachutes because they're far more manoeuvrable, you can do a lot more advanced things with them, and they are far better. Now, these, these rib, the way it works is they fall, and as air resistance builds up, air will fill up the ribs that make up the parachute and therefore increase air resistance. There's two layers acting as air resistance. It's also, it's also very stable, as stable as the round parachutes, while still being more, um, more manoeuvrable. And if it's more manoeuvrable, you'll be able to manoeuvre your way into far softer landings as well. Now, those aren't the only types of parachutes. We also have the cruciform parachute, which is very similar to the round parachute and also shares disadvantages, yet it's square. It has a square top, you know, it's a round parachute, but the edges are far more square. I don't personally see the point of it. It's very, to me, it just looks like a round parachute. But again, I am not a pro at this in any sense. There are also Ruggolo wings. I find these quite interesting. Um, this sort of triangular paper plane-like shape with a person sort of hanging underneath it and falling. It's very similar to a kite. Now, the most complex of these parachutes, the ram air parachutes are the best, I think, by far, but they don't have as many parts, and they're quite simple in their design. The round parachutes actually have a lot of parts. You'd be surprised to see they have a lot of parts. Now, one thing I just wondered that I've seen quite a bit, and I never really knew quite what or how, why it was there, is a tiny little parachute on the end of the round parachute. Um... It seems weird to me, like, that extra parachute doesn't really increase that much air resistance. Don't really see why it's there. And it's called a pilot chute. Now, actually, when you've got your parachute is falling, they've just jumped out of their plane, they've got the backpack on their back. The pilot chute jumps out, like, jumps out, is released first out of the backpack. The air resistance on this pulls out the rest of the parachute. Now, that, that, that makes a lot of sense, you know. Um, the, like, if you just release the big parachute by itself, or... It jumping, jumping out. Um, it falling out the bag could be a bit tricky. For the small, small pilot chute goes out. Air resistance pushes the rest out very cleanly, very fast, very efficient. That's something that I saw. Um, these, all these different parts of the parachute between the pilot chute, the main canopy, and the person hanging underneath, are all held together by these these strings. These uh, between the pilot chute and the canopy, they're called the bridle. Um, between the actual main canopy and the person, they're called suspension lines, and then they've also got links and risers, which is plenty of different connecting small things between the main parts of the parachute. Um, you see the top vent, which I mentioned earlier, can be called the apex as well. Um, this is another word for it being, it is just to release air pressure buildup. Um, then you have the, the main parachute, the main bit that reduces the increases the air resistance to re reduce the terminal velocity is called the canopy, as I've mentioned multiple times. Um, and the part sort of to the sides of it, the bottom half of the round parachute canopy is called the skirt. Um, it, has, it doesn't have as much an impact in air resistance, but it's sort of this bottom bit of it. And then um, from the person up to the canopy, well, for the first part of that, uh, link of different ropes and things are called the con control lines and that's how you steer the parachute you yank on one side or the other so you, yeah pull on the control lines and they go and the person is linked in through a harness and container so they don't detach from their parachute 
Uh, one last thing I'd like to mention is when you fall in the parachute, uh, if you jump out of your plane, you have your main parachute, which the pilot chute goes out first, and then the main parachute, but you also have a backup parachute in there as well. So if your main parachute fails in some way, I'm not sure I call hat, it could fail, maybe it rips or something, I'm not quite sure. But you have a backup in there, you have emergency one, so the parachutist is safe, even if there is an accident. Now, that that's basically it, that's, that's, that's the essence of it. Um, a very simple topic, but it has some small things that you may not have expected, and some small things that you kind of wondered about but never really researched, so that was quite interesting for me. Um, in the next coming weeks, I'll be doing some far more complicated and longer episodes on more deep scientific topics. Um, one other uh, episode format I'll be discussing is small mental math problems. Ones where the, the trick to solving them isn't necessarily mathematical techniques, but more a breakthrough in, them in the mind, a small little mental trick. And those you can do out loud quite easily. And, I'm quite like, and I've never seen that in a podcast, and I'd personally be quite happy to listen to that. So I thought I'd do some episode formats like that. Um, we'll be taking some from small math from small maths competitions and read them out loud and talking about my own approach to finding the answer. Well, um, leave a comment, leave a like. Uh, if you're listening on Spotify, just follow along and uh, thank you.